0: Hey, what's going on out there? This is Jim. It's been a while since I did one of these, so I thought I would step out of my place into the cold of winter, the harsh cold of February, and record one of these things. Actually it's pretty temperate today. It's like 40 degrees out, which is crazy warm. People are outside jogging in t-shirts. This is how I know I'm back in Michigan. This is this is this is a cause for going out and jogging in a t-shirt. And shorts sure, it's when it's 40 degrees out after it's been like 20 degrees. It's been zero degrees every day for like a month or two. Anyway, I thought I would... What am I going to talk about today? Uh, so I'm back in... I'm at Northfield Hills, which is like a condo association, which is maybe half a mile from where I grew up. Uh, it's right across the road from where I went to high school, actually. I knew a lot of people who lived in here in high school and uh, in college. I was a, a landscaping person. I, I had a job as a weed whacker. <laughs> that actually sounds more glamorous with when, when a weed whacker. I don't know. It's if you know what it is, it doesn't sound that interesting. But it's, it sounds like it could be something cool. Uh, I was worked for a landscaping company, being a weed whacker, uh, and this is one of the places that we did uh, this this condo place. So I'm actually sitting in the parking lot by the clubhouse staring at the same trees which I don't remember how many hours I spent staring at these goddamn trees like we're sitting right where I am now just waiting for work to start waiting for break to be over waiting for something to happen uh when I was working as a landscaper It's uh Saturday no one's here right now it's actually very sunny out There's actually a a lake like just on the other side of the clubhouse, there's a lake, which is uh, actually part of uh, the River Rouge. I didn't realize it, but the River Rouge is big in Detroit. It it empties into the Detroit River somewhere down south at like Wyandotte Riverview somewhere. Uh, I I have no idea where, but it, it it winds around Detroit, the Detroit area quite extensively, and it it starts up here actually. Like this lake is actually a massive part of the of the River Rouge. I I had no idea. It was like part of that. Anyway, what am I going to talk about today? Okay, so I, I, I got engaged to be married a couple of years ago now. I think I might actually talk a little bit about that. Um, San Francisco, talk a little bit about that. Probably some politics will slip in. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So I, I really kind of like driving around. I, I, I kind of had this sense. I left the house today, and I was like, I'm going to go back to high school. I want to go back to like where I went to high school and just sort of like explore around. I've been kind of wallowing in my past for therapeutic reasons, let's say. And so I was like, I was like, I'm going to take a cue from the old Beatles song: "Go take a walk by the old school." And I, I kind of showed up and I realized, well, it's, it's a school, you know, um things are going on there, you know, and you're an adult now. You don't go there. I don't think you can even legally go on the grounds without possibly getting arrested. Like wh- why the hell would you be at a high school? A single dude uh who's like 40 years old, you know, nostalgia aside, I don't, I, I, I'm i not going to even chance that, the hell with it. But I like driving around like the, these neighborhoods where I, I grew up, like I'm sitting here, because I've got this car that I drove all the way here from California. So I've got this car, it's got California plates that I'm driving around. It just feels like, you know, if you were to go, like you know, a guy goes to a party where like one of his ex, his exes is like hanging out, you know, she's like sitting somewhere. He, like, walks in the door with some trophy girlfriend on his arm, like, look, like, I finally did you one better. It's kind of like that. It's kind of the egomaniacal, like, yeah, fuck all of you. I got out of here. You know, I I I'd left. I made it. You know, I, I broke out of the shackles of this fucking suburban shithole that I grew up in. It isn't that bad, but if, I, I always had a bad attitude when I was growing up. And. If it sounds pretentious, if it sounds like uh, kind of cocky, uh, it is totally is. But I feel like I've, I've I have some right to be a little bit cocky about like yeah you know, I feel good about myself because I got the fuck out of here, because I have definitely taken shit from friends and family of mine because I'm like the guy who picked up and left where he lived to move out to California. You know I'm from Detroit. Uh, the Detroit area, strictly speaking. I, you know, I'm from the suburbs. I'm not not from Detroit proper. I'm not trying to play that card. Um, but yeah, pe- people kind of look down on me like, oh, so you're one of those. You're like, you moved to California because you're better than us. Like, no, that's really not why I fucking moved away from it. I don't think I'm better than any of you. I just, I don't belong here. Culturally, I don't belong here. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You think you're better than us, you know? You can't convince these people that you didn't leave because you weren't being pretentious or conceited or arrogant. You just wanted to change, you know? So yeah. Okay. If they're going to act that way, I might as well indulge in the whole, the conceit of like, yeah, fuck it. I made it. I I got the fuck out of here. I I went somewhere else. I had a life experience. I lived elsewhere and I'm probably going to do it again. I'm probably going to leave again. I I have been in Detroit now for 6 months crashing with my parents because of covid. I I miss San Francisco so much. And I I've definitely come to the conclusion with everything I've experienced here this is just this is not where I belong. You know, I I left I I originally left because I needed to to find something new, but I wasn't I wasn't leaving because I had to run away from anything. I was just seeking some new horizons i will leave here again and this time i know it's because this is just this is not this is not my place this is not my culture i i honestly haven't done much interacting i've been if i've been experiencing other people in a quasi-social fashion it's mostly been on those goddamn dating apps which is a little bit of a slanted perception but even still, you can kind of get a sense of, okay, who lives here? What kind of people are they? You know, it's radically different here than it is in, in at least in San Francisco or the Bay Area uh, in more generally. Uh, those are the only two things I have to compare. But yeah, the people you find on the dating apps in the Bay Area are completely different from the ones you find here. And It kind of gives you a sense of like, okay. I see who lives here and I see why they live here. Um, if you're into winter sports, like if you're into skiing, uh, if you're into boating, if you're into like living on the lake and going out and, uh, you know, uh, kayaking, there are certain lifestyle choices you can make. You know, country music is way more popular here uh seems like every other profile that I, I come across person says like faith is important to me and i love jesus and it should be important to you too uh no no not 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 doing that um so i i kind of have gotten some sense of of who who it is that lives around here you know what kind of people live here and you know i don't think this is this isn't it you know it's It, it kind of would be convenient. It pisses me off uh, because if I could just buy a house here, like a little place or something and just, just kind of be happy living in my own little corner, you know, working for some company, you know, remotely, maybe in California, maybe elsewhere, and, and just be happy and just, you know, be close to family and, you know, just be content, that would be really, really convenient. And it kind of irks me that, you know, it, it it just wouldn't be enough. I really wish that it were, it would be it would really be more convenient, be less travel involved. You know, what am I going to do for Christmas? I could consider going to Hawaii instead of saying, well, I have to go home. I have to travel back to Detroit to see family because that's, you know, what I really ought to do, you know, with my parents and then, you know, how much time they have left and whatever uh but i i know that i can't i know that if i were to stay here i would not be happy in the long run so that's that's just the sad truth of it um and i've traveled around this country enough I, I may not go back to the bay area i may not even go back to california i'm not really sure yet but there are any number of places i could go to where i would i would be happy living there because they're they're different. They have a different vibe. This is a wonderful place to raise a family. I forgot this. Uh, there is a, not a, not, not a main road, but it's, it's a road that connects a couple of main roads. It winds around. It's kind of like a shortcut to a highway. Uh, it's just called Corporate Drive. If you want to know like the kind of city that I'm currently sitting in, this is, this is Troy, Michigan, which is where I grew up. Uh, if you want to know what it's like, that that should explain it to you. Um, corporate drive. Uh, I I I honestly, there there ain't much here. There are buildings people live in, there are buildings that people work in, there are buildings that people buy shit in, and then there are roads connecting all of that stuff. And that's really about it. There there's some green stuff, you know, around, but there there ain't there ain't a whole lot. It's a great place to live if you're if you know you got an office job you're humping a desk daily you're raising a family you know you want to pick a good school system you could do a whole lot worse than this. This is pretty good. I'm actually pretty grateful that I grew up here. I think it probably helped launch my uh, future you know at least academically speaking. who knows where I would have ended up if I didn't go to such a good high school? My parents hadn't selected to live here, but um I'm dealing with a different set of criteria. I don't have kids or a family I'm not looking to settle down and I hate the suburbs. So uh I ain't staying here. And to be fair, I've actually looked around. You know, I I watched that old movie um Gross Point Blank, which it's set in you know, South uh Southeast uh Detroit suburbs. You know, there's there's footage at the beginning and end of the movie of them like cruising along. um What is it? Is it Jefferson Avenue that runs along the Detroit river? Anyway, that's gorgeous territory over there, you know, over by the Detroit Yacht Club, kind of where Belle Isle is. And I was like, well, you know, maybe I could be happy, like go see what, what kind of real estate's over there. Maybe I could live down in that area, you know? There's a lot of people moving into um, what is the neighborhood by the train station? It's it's not not Mexican town. I mean that's down there too, a Corktown. There are a whole bunch of like hipster people, kids, millennials. I don't know what the hell they are, but they're, trying, they're They're hoping Detroit will make a comeback, and so they're they're buying places and they're they're trying to like start breweries and yeah, you know, they're they're trying to like create a community in little pockets of Detroit, you know, Corktown just being one example. Uh, so moving out of the suburbs and trying to make the, you know, the city of Detroit a cool thing, you know, outside of just Greek town. Uh, I've looked at, you know, okay, what are the possibilities? I mean, could I actually, could I actually live down there? Uh, I honestly don't think so. I mean, Detroit is varied enough that I could, I, could certainly, I could certainly find a place that's radically different from where I'm currently sitting, but not different enough, I don't think. It's just the unfortunate truth. It ain't for me, is all, I think all I'm saying. I kind of wonder about the dating app. So I'm on, I, which one? It's uh, Bumble. It's the one where the ladies make their first move. I think that's their tagline. And I'm dead honest on there. Like I say, you know, I'm in Detroit for COVID. I don't know where I end up next. I'm not here permanently. Uh, I just moved here from California, been here a few months, you know, not looking for anything long-term. I'm not on a nuptial fast track, you know. I'm not a hookup guy, but I'm not looking to, like, settle down and have a bunch of kids like tomorrow either, you know, um, still figuring stuff out, Uh, not religious, uh, you know, mobile. And the thing is, I don't pay for it. So I don't actually know who swipes right on me. I can't, I can't check their profiles. But if you happen to swipe left on somebody who has already swiped right on you, the app will tell you, it'll send you a little notification saying like, oh, you just missed somebody who was interested in you. As far as I can tell, all of the people that I've passed on, like swiped left on, are people who are, uh have kids, have just, uh, I mean, the divorce, have kids, they own a home, they're religious, like com- the complete opposite of me. And I, like, I wonder if people have even, like, read what I've written. I'm very, very honest about what it is I am and what I might be looking for and how confused I am about uh, every fucking aspect of my life right now. And it just seems like, oh, yeah, it's fine. You know, you'll do. Like, are people really that desperate? Or Like, maybe they're just not even reading. Maybe they just see a photo and they're like, yeah, that's fine. That's probably it, actually. Yeah, people make such a big stink about how they show up on, on, you know, on dates. They they got set up on an app and they're like, the person looked nothing like their photos. I've never heard anybody say like, look, they were nothing like they described themselves. You know, they said they were this. They said they were that. They were not like that at all. It's always they didn't look as good as I thought they were going to look. We're such a superficial fucking culture, which is. It doesn't, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't bother me. We're just in such denial about it. Like, oh, you know, I'm, it's just, I'm looking for a nice person, you know? No, you're not. Nobody is. Don't fucking, don't fucking say that and then go whining about how people don't look like their photos. You know, you never you don't care about a person's personality. You want them to be good looking and have a good personality. But personality counts for shit in the absence of good looks. I don't know why we can't just come out and say that. I don't know what has to be like, it's inner beauty. We gotta have a bunch of pictures of fat people on the cover of Cosmopolitan to make some kind of fucking point, which has no basis in reality. I don't fucking get it. Anyway, I'm not saying fat people are ugly. It takes all kinds and people have different tastes. You know, there are people who are into that sort of thing. Uh, I think it just kind of bothers me that we're, we're limited. Like what we consider beautiful is like, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Fuck the point. Um, anyway, people on dating apps are fucking stupid, is I think uh, is I think the point. And I'm definitely including myself in that uh, hollowed hierarchy because I am on them at the moment, and I don't know why there is really no point uh, to it. On that note, I think that's probably a pretty safe place to transition into. Um, yeah, so I... Got engaged a couple of years ago, and i'll I'll be careful about what it is I say because i'm I'm pretty sure that like whatever the dozen or so people that listen to this on a regular basis, uh, the ex fiance might be one of them and even even so, if somebody could figure out who I am uh, very easily and they could probably figure out who this person is you know in our online hyperconnected world, everybody's got social media, you know. You could figure out who this was and I think I, I owe it to her, you know, some some discretion. Uh not to betray her confidence, you know. Um we're all entitled to our privacy. But we had been uh dating on and off for a couple of years. And honestly, she went abroad to do some some work. And uh, I found that I really missed her when she was gone, you know, and I kind of thought to myself, you know, things were not perfect, you know, but what exactly am I holding out for? Like a lot of what we had in a relationship worked. It worked very, very well. And on paper, there's no reason you should have looked at both of us and said this wouldn't work. Honestly, even now, looking back, I'm like, I I don't understand exactly, um, you know, why it didn't work. Why didn't it work? You know, it's a hard question to answer. I think what I would say, my lesson that I took away from, and I'll share with any of you out there who might be thinking about one day popping the question, is do not engage, do not get engaged, do not plan to marry anyone that you have not lived with. For an extended period of time now I, I had definitely shared residence with this person. I mean her and I had, for example uh, lived you know in the same apartment for maybe a week uh, at most um, and I kind of thought that was enough. you know I was like it's, it's fine. You know, um, I don't know everything. And I I definitely looked at our relationship and I thought things are not perfect. But I was kind of like, what exactly am I holding out for? You know, I'm not I really shouldn't hold out for perfection. I don't want to be the guy who makes that mistake. And what the hell am I? So. So I, I decided, Okay, she got back from abroad. We got back together. I was kind of like, you know, there's something here. There are some feelings. And really, why not? I was like, I, I, I think it'll be work. You know, there's going to be work. I'm, I'm willing to, like, I'm willing to do that work, you know. So it was a bit of a calculated risk. Like, it always is, I feel like. um, Yeah, so we, we got engaged. And, uh, yeah, six months after I popped the question, and she said yes. Uh, she, uh, had, had, yeah, was in the process of moving out. She had came and picked up the last of her things. And, uh, that was the end of it. So, I mean, yeah, don't, do not, do not get engaged to anyone who you have not lived with for an extended period of time. Because until you do that, you know, you, you do not know what they are about. And it was a rather messy um, separation. I mean, we were living together, and I woke up one day and I realized, okay, I, I don't think, I am going to be happy with this person. You know, as soon as she had moved in, there was there was tension from the get go, which is not really characteristic of me. I'm pretty chill, and I was like, I don't know, what this is, but I was like, I'm not. I'm not going to be happy with her, and you know I I know she's not going to be happy with me. I can just tell. She flat out denied that, Um, and you know, for all I know, I could have been wrong about that. Maybe she would have been really happy with me, but the problem was is that that's what I said. She said, "Like, look, why, why don't you want to marry me?" She she insisted on me defending my position to her, and I said, "Look, I just know." I'm not going to be happy with you. That's it. That's reason enough. I don't want to marry you. I I don't see why that. Somebody tells you that you leave. It's painful. It sucks. But you leave. But she fought me on it. She was like, no, no, I want a reason. I want I want to know exactly why I was like, I can't tell you why, because really you and I should work. But we don't. And I'm speaking, I'm saying that from the heart. You're asking me to give you something for your head that your head can take and intellectually you'll just, it'll click with you. And I could never, I could never give her a reason. Every reason I gave her, she had a bunch of reasons to refute it. And to be honest, that this is just what vindicated me is like throughout the process, I'm trying to be honest with her about how I feel and what I want. And she was trying to win. That was all she cared about. She only cared about changing my mind. I, I think she would have been perfectly content to just, if I said, if I just dropped it and said, you know what? I was wrong. Let's just go through with it. Forget all of that shit I just said to you. I think she would have been like, okay. She would have been happy again. It would have been like nothing had ever happened. I really don't know, but that was the impression I got. I got the impression she just wanted a yes. She just wanted to go through with it. And it really didn't matter what I said. It was confusing to me. It really was. I didn't know why she fought me so hard on it. You know, if, if I was with somebody and they said, no, I, I don't want to be with you. As much as it sucked, I would fight for the person a little bit, but only so much, only so hard you know if somebody really doesn't want to be with me it's better for both of us if i just pick up and go you know go go find go find my own life for myself you know go find someone who does want to be with me you know i i really wanted that for myself and i wanted that for her and i knew it wasn't going to be we neither of us were going to get that with each other i i just i knew that so i i never I've never for a second regretted the decision. I mean, it sucked. But and you know, it I felt bad breaking it off. I mean, if, if, I would like my word to mean something. If I if I say, "Hey, I want to marry you and I'm going to commit to you," I would I prefer that mean more than nothing. I would prefer that not be something I have to go back on. But I really thought about that and I was like, in this case, um keeping the uh, you know, pure virginity of my word. Uh, that's not worth, uh, going through a marriage that you're not going to be happy in. Simple as that. Anyway, so that's hard lesson learned and, um, yeah, wherever, wherever she is now, wherever she has ended up, I hope, um, I hope she is happy. I hope, I hope she is not listening to this for all kinds of reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she kept asking for reasons, and I I really couldn't give her too many solid ones. But there there were some some very, very solid reasons. You know, in the end, I think what clinched it is I, I took a cue from that old television show, Sex and the City. Uh, I've actually seen... I've probably seen all of that. I don't know if I've sat down and watched it with my full attention, but I think I've, like, borne witness. I've been in the room. Well... I think the entirety of that series has, has played. And there's one episode where like, I think Carrie and her floozies are like, they're, they're in a bar somewhere and there's a bunch of Navy guys there. Um. And so they're kind of like, Ooh, Navy, I get Navy guys in uniform. We're going to go try and pick up some of these hunks. And uh Carrie's like kind of flirting with one of them. And one of them's talking to her. And he like, his first or second line to her is, you remind me of my mother. And she just smiles and says, bye-bye. You know, we're done. We're not going any further. If that's, your, if that's the way you're going to start this. Uh, we don't go any further. And that is actually what I ended up playing. Um, just having one of the last conversations we had, I said something like that uh, at great length. And I was like, if this doesn't work, if this doesn't shake a person who is clingy and just will not take no for an answer, I don't know what the fuck will. And that, that actually seemed to do it. So um, that's the other piece of advice. If you're really dealing with somebody super clingy, who will not let you go, uh, play that card. Because I, I don't see I don't see. I don't know of a single woman that that would fail with. You know. Just go Just Go full fucking Freudian on them. All right. That's a reason they cannot refute. I don't think that they would the head or the heart is not going to overcome that. But, you know, in terms of like actual reasons, there was a there was a sneaking suspicion I had at the time, which I couldn't actually um, fully articulate or even confess to myself. Uh, And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I think I may be in terms of sexuality nothing now i definitely find women attractive especially certain kinds of women i have a type but i don't really sex is not something that is you know important to me it never really has been and there there have been so many like women who have flirted and done things and sent me signals you know, they they try and get that uh, sort of reaction out of me. They're like, they're, like, And I, 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 one, don't pick up on the signals because I'm, you know, kind of socially retarded in a lot of ways. But I'm not even looking for that. You know, I'm just like, like the first girl I really liked in high school, like really, really liked, talking about like loss of innocence. You suddenly become self-aware and realize, damn, I kind of suck as a person. I need to, like, get my act together and, you know, uh, stop doing childish shit, you know. That girl that I happened to to have a crush on in ninth grade, there was nothing sexual about that whatsoever. Nothing. And there was another girl a year later that I liked, and she was Catholic. And, you know, the conversations we had uh, when we were talking about us, we, we were never really a thing, but when we were talking about her and I, uh, you know, she was talking about what she would say in terms of like fooling around. I was like, I'm not even interested in that much. You're a fucking Catholic. You're about as repressed as they come, and even you want more from me than I'm even interested in giving. And I feel like as I moved into adulthood, it just kind of felt like, okay you really should be looking for a woman to settle down with because that's the path you you should be treading. And sex is just one of those things that goes with the territory. You know, even if you don't feel like it, you just do it. It's like, nobody wants to fucking have a job and then go to an office and do it. You you do it because you fucking have to. That's kind of the way I've always felt about sex. Uh, but sex is different. Sex is not supposed to be a fucking job. It's not supposed to be a chore. It's supposed to be something you, you like doing. If you don't like doing it, then there's something, the wires are crossed in your brain. And I think that's, I think that's the way it is with me. I think I am, I don't think I'm anything. You know, there was a couple of girls, um, that I went to high school with, actually, that I was friends with my freshman year of college. And I got to know them really, really well. And, Hung out with them a lot, went to uh, parties with them. They saw the way I, would you know, acted towards the opposite sex and towards women who showed interest in me. And they were like, we're pretty sure you're gay. And I was like, I am pretty sure I am not because I have never. You know, I, I you know, I think I'd remember some dude fucking me. Like I, I think that would probably stick out in my memory. And it, it, you know, this was not I'd never looked at a guy and thought. Handsome. Attractive, let me get on that. Never. Uh, I've I've definitely kind of had that inclination towards women, but you know, never towards a man. But just the fact that people seem to—I've had more than one, not just these two girls, but people sort of sort of like, well, you must be gay uh, because I don't show the requisite level of interest in you know some particular woman or some particular situation that might you might you know lead to sex. Um. Okay. I think they were maybe onto something. I certainly am not a homosexual, but I'm not, uh, I'm not full on hetero either. You know, I could take it or leave it. And usually I leave it. I've, I've definitely left it much more often than I have taken it. Um, in my lifetime, by far. Uh, the tally is on, yeah, the tally is on leaving it. Um, so I'm trying to come to terms with that. Don't know why I'm telling you this. Don't know why you might care, but I actually have no idea how to even broach that. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's actually one thing I haven't put into any of the dating profiles. Like the thing is, I'm 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 always honest on dating profiles now. Like I don't hide any. Like I I don't just put all my warts on there and say, "Look, here's here's what I am." I, I'm, but I don't uh, I don't bullshit either, you know. I, like here's some pictures of me. They're all recent. Here are my stats. Uh, And here's here's what some people like about me. And here's what some people don't like about me. If that ain't your cup of tea, move on. Um, And I'm just kind of curious what kind of hits I get from those kinds of explanations Uh, so far, as I've already touched upon. um, It hasn't really yielded uh, anyone who seems to have read the shit. It seems to have yielded people who don't read the things. And just go by the photos. Um, but I'm really, really curious. If I put that front and center on a dating profile on one of these sites and say, yeah, you know what? I think I'm some sort of, I think the term is, I don't even know about this shit. Like, if you were to ask me, like, okay, what is an asexual? Like, what are the different kinds of asexual? I haven't done any research on this. I don't even care. I, I don't, I'm not even interested in like figuring out what it is I am. I don't I don't even care about the label. Uh asexual is enough. Like I just I don't give a fuck about sex. I think that's that's about as as detail oriented as I would like to be. But I think that there's I think that there's something called gray asexual, which means that you're not completely a, a prune. You know, I do experience attraction, I have some sexual urges, but I, I really don't care about sex. You know, if I had to do it, I think I could. I could, you know. Hold my breath and, uh, you know, dive under the water. But it's it's not. Uh, no. Uh, so I think it gray, gray asexual, gray ace, grace. There's probably some slick nickname for this. It's probably what I am. You know, I'm on the spectrum somewhere, but I definitely tend more towards uh, not um, wanting anything. Yeah, I, I I don't actually know. I I'm kind of interested in going onto one of these sites and putting that out there and seeing what kind of hits I get. Who who expresses interest? There's got to be some women out there who would like that. And I think that might be the next thing I explore. I'd like to know. Um, I'd like, even just to meet some people. I don't even give a fuck if we date or not. But just like, if there's other people out there who are asexual and they've been dealing with this for longer than I have. I'd like to go on some dates with some of these people and be like, what, what is life like for you? Like, what do you do? Because I feel like the drive to meet a woman and be with her just romantically, if not sexually, has been a driving force in my life for so long. It kind of, if that's suddenly not there, it leaves a pretty big void that I don't quite know how to fill. I'll figure out how to fill it, but you know, I, I want to hear, hear some other people's experiences. You know, and maybe I'll happen to click romantically with one of them. I don't know. Don't know what I'm gonna fucking do. But that's 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 a thing. That's uh, that's going on with me. So I said I would talk a little bit about um, about San Francisco. And I wanna I wanna talk about this. This is it's been about a year now. Almost exactly a year. But, uh, I went on a date with a girl that I met on the, the Caltrain. I used to commute on the Caltrain from San Francisco, the Fourth and King station where I lived right by there down to Sunnyvale where I worked. So it was like an hour and 15 minutes on the train. Um, which was actually nice. You know, people used to complain about the the commute. I was like, it just I just get on the train and sit there and read and listen to music, maybe do some work on my laptop. Like it's just it's just two two and a half hours of forced focused time every day, yeah, to and from work. Like this is great. I loved it. I like, I never like it was kind of frustrating at the end of the day. Like some some days you get off work and you're like tired or emotional. You're just like, I want to just go to my place and close the door and just be alone in the dark you know that happens to me maybe once every month or two on those days it kind of sucked you like you're on the train surrounded by people it's cramped then it would be frustrating but other than that i loved it i loved doing that um and there was there was a girl who would occasionally end up on the in the train car that i was on and uh, she definitely caught my eye early on. And I, she was definitely aware of me. I noticed her sitting where she could look at me. And I've probably talked about this before. We ended up on a, I guess what you would call a date, on a Saturday morning in a coffee shop, having a discussion. And that, of course, went the way most dates went uh, for me nowhere uh she made up some lame excuse and got the the fuck out of there pretty quickly um about 90 minutes in uh but she was she was an attractive person and she was not my type physically but i I found her personality to be very very pleasing i kind of came away from that and i thought that a girl that i liked in ninth grade that at first made me aware of women and kind of made me self-conscious she was very similar to this girl you know uh very intelligent very well read uh, went to an ivy league school um very very nice very positive upbeat attitude very bright uh bright view of the world and i realized i i, I think i'm attracted to that kind of personality um i like being with that kind of person you know um and so it she definitely stuck in my head a little bit. Um but she she told me about uh what was it? Lands End and Sutro Baths. So I lived like I said in San Francisco I lived right by the Caltrain station which is um uh, in Soma south of Market uh 4th and King Street. And that is um Southeastern San Francisco, that's down. I was right by the baseball stadium. Uh, very, very industrial. Very uh, high population density, a bunch of high-rise condominiums in fancy buildings, um, industrial warehouses that have been converted into tech companies. That sort of vibe, you know, you weren't very far from neighborhoods that were just filled with uh, homeless people you know there was like homeless shelters a few blocks away from me you 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 could it it was a city it was it was definitely a city like it 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 kind of felt like san francisco in many ways but if you if you squinted it wouldn't look that much different from other urban areas say in los angeles or you know other big california cities I really liked going along the Embarcadero, which was really, really close. So the Embarcadero is a, a stretch of road that borders the uh, eastern side of the San Francisco Peninsula. And you can you can take that north from where I lived, and you end up at Pier 39. uh, I think it's Pier 39, Fisherman's Wharf. Anyway, it's gorgeous. I, I used to love going jogging along there or biking along there. It was the thing about San Francisco is even doing the most mundane thing, I liked living there because even doing something simple, uh, felt like some sort of special adventure. I remember I had to go to a doctor's appointment, you know, which I had to walk to about a mile away, a mile north of me. Some rainy night, uh, on a Thursday evening, it was dark, it was cold, it was like early January. I was like, okay, I got to go to this doctor's appointment. I like put on, an umbrella hat that i had and went out and rented one of those lime scooter thingies you can like unlock with a smartphone app and i just cruised up the embarcadero you know like the bay bridge with all of its uh, lights it's covered in led lights that are always doing some kind of dance which is randomized so it's never the same thing twice i was just doing this in the rain in the dark in the cold on the way to see a doctor, and I was like, "I love this this is this feels special. this should be mundane. I should hate this, but I don't because of where I live but anyway that's that's what it was like very city feel you know there's the entire waterfront is covered with with piers and wharfs, and uh, you know there's there's this street that runs along it and a very wide sidewalk. I kind of assumed that the western side of San Francisco, the uh, side facing the Pacific Ocean, I just assumed that was all the same. I really didn't give it any thought, and it was far enough away that I never really bothered going over there. Um, when I first moved to San Francisco, there was a couple times I tried taking my car and driving to new areas. And the thing is about parking, I'm not particular, you know like i usually understand if you're going somewhere popular uh you might not be able to find parking so what you might do is like park half a mile away and then walk to where you're ultimately trying to go i learned in san francisco that's not possible because everywhere is somewhere that people are trying to go so if you can't park and walk anywhere like I, i i tried going somewhere two miles away and i was like okay make concentric circles around with your car until you find somewhere you can park. There was nowhere. What I ultimately ended up doing is these concentric circles brought me back to my house. I just parked there and walked the two miles to where I was I wanted to visit. That was my experience every time. It's not even worth trying to drive anywhere because there is is nowhere to park ever. If you find parking, you're lucky. Um, You can't even really pay for it, you know? It's just, it's just booked up and I never really got acquainted with public transportation. I was like, well, I'm just going to walk everywhere. And so that kind of put a, put a limit on how far I was able to go. And so the west side of San Francisco was a good five miles from me, which is farther than I ever bothered to walk and I never used my bike. So I, I never bothered going over there, but I was on a date with this girl and she was telling me about this area of San Francisco. And I ended up like getting on one of the Muni lines, one of the railways, whatever they call them. And, um, went over to Golden Gate Park and I walked through the park uh, all the way to the Pacific Ocean. When I got there, there was this massive beach and. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was like I had stepped into a different world. It was not the San Francisco I'd been living in for the past two years. It was something completely different. And that that's actually where I, I would suggest you go. If you're in San Francisco and you're visiting as a tourist, you're there on business, something like that, you're probably going to be... In or around Union Square. Union Square is like San Francisco's equivalent of Rock Thirty Rockefeller Center. You know, it, it's where they do the annual tree lighting around Thanksgiving. They set up a skating rink, you can go around skates and, and cruise around. It's just and it's surrounded by places to shop. You know, it's um it's very much the center of the commercial district. If you're gonna go do Christmas shopping, that's where you do it. So it's it's very much tied in with the holidays. Um just the way any like, like Times Square is, you know, with New Year's Eve. Uh, so it, it's it's gorgeous. But if you're in if you're in uh, Union Square, in San Francisco, uh, chances are good you're you're looking at a five story Macy's right across the street. There's there's a very large Macy's there. In order to get to the Macy's, you have to cross a road, and the road is Geary Street. Now Geary Street may be the longest street. In San Francisco, the longest running street um, doesn't quite go all the way to the ferry building to the east, but it gets pretty close. Uh, it starts where Market meets Third, and it runs just on the south side of Union Square. And you can follow it all the way west to the Pacific. And this is actually what I what I did. Um, I lived uh, on Third Street. So I would take third up to Market and then pop on Geary and just hop all the way over to the Pacific Ocean. And this is what I would suggest you do. If you're visiting San Francisco, do this. You don't have to take Geary Street. There may be a better way of doing it, but I'm just telling you this so you have your bearings. If you want to look at a map and figure out what I'm talking about later, just remember Geary Street. I think it's named after the first ever um, Alcalde of um, San Francisco. Uh, after, you know, the Americans took control of it from the Mexicans in uh, 1846. I think that's who he was. Anyway, Geary Street. Take that all the way west until it ends in the Pacific. Uh, it dead ends in a place called Sutro Heights. And Sutro Heights is a nice little park. There's some ruins there that overlook the Pacific Ocean and overlook Ocean Beach. And there's also Land's End, uh, Lobos Point. Uh there is some gorgeous hiking, which is uh north facing. You can see the Golden Gate Bridge and and the Marin Headlands from there. Uh you can you can look out at the ocean. And you're right on the western side of uh Golden Gate Park. You can see the windmills that uh uh punctuate the um northern yeah, the northwest and south northwest and northeast corners of Golden Gate Park. There's a lot there. Uh, it feels like you've stepped out of uh, San Francisco proper, and you're just in some... Uh, it's about as far removed from the city as you can, as you can get. If you're going to be in San Francisco for a day or two, and you want to you wanna go experience something new, that's where I suggest you go. It, it's beautiful over there. You could spend a long weekend, and you wouldn't get tired of it. You would, be, you would hate to leave. It's you know it's a far cry from like uh, visiting Coit Tower or Telegraph Hill or you want to go to Lombard Street and you know go on the squiggly road or um, you know go to Alcatraz. It's not like that. You know it's not Fisherman's Wharf. It is. I don't know what city it even compares to. It feels like you're somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, and you're you're nowhere near San Francisco. It's beautiful. I love it over there. Uh this is what I did during COVID. I would just go over there and um and jog. Matter of fact I've done several episodes of this podcast from there. If I say I'm casting from the beach, that's the beach I mean. I, I just I love going over there. I was unemployed during COVID and no one was over there. It was it was always empty of people. I don't know why. But I I took advantage of that, you know. And I, I totally missed that. I totally missed that spot. So yeah, that's that is what I suggest you do. Yeah, as a matter of fact, there was a hotel right around where Geary Street ends in the Pacific. I think it's Forty Eighth Street, um, Seal Rock Inn. Uh, I if I don't move back to San Francisco, there is someday, someday I will take. A date back there. I would book a room in that hotel for a long weekend and go back there, and it would, be a, it would be a lovely long weekend. That is what I suggest. Yeah, you do as a tourist. Anyway, looking around here, let's see what it's actually starting to get warm. I'm sitting in my car in the sunshine and it is heating up, and I am feeling it. I don't know what I want to do today. I feel like I should do something, like take advantage of the weather. Look, like I'll walk around this lake, this uh, River Rouge lake that I was talking about. That's like right by me. Got to say, it, it, there is one advantage to being here in suburban Detroit instead of San Francisco during this whole pandemic thing, which I forget about nowadays because I forget I forget all of the aspects of San Francisco that were less than favorable when I left them, but living in a major urban center like that, you had to have a mask on pretty much everywhere you went. Uh, here there is breathing room. There, there are long stretches of like just green grass. Uh, I could go walk on like long paths through the woods where there is nobody. I could just go walking. I don't need a mask on because I'm nowhere near a single person. You know, the wind's just blowing, sun is shining. Uh, San Francisco is not the place to be during a global pandemic when everybody is mandated to, uh, stay six feet apart. Um, and you know, not breathe on each other. It's looking better out there now. Um, I saw a chart like, I remember looking at the at the numbers, like how many how many COVID cases have been recorded, how many deaths have there been. Uh, last time I recorded about this, uh, you know, on this podcast, it was about my about my bird. Uh, it was looking very very grim. You know, it it was the number of cases just spiked up. It was um you know, this massive escalation with exponential growth. was like we're all gonna die. Um I saw a chart. Uh I hadn't I hadn't been following the chart, but I saw one yesterday, I think, and it was like there was that massive spike in November, December, January. It has actually plummeted back down to where things were. I want to say last September, like like 6 months ago when I arrived in Michigan, things were not great but okay. It's kind of gotten back down to those levels, so I've, you know, um but that and both of my parents are vaccinated. Uh, they're both in the at-risk age group. And my mother was very proactive. She got on a list Said when the vaccine's ready, we'll bring you in, give it to you. She got on that very, very early. And so they got called in, like, I would say two or three weeks after the vaccine was, uh, that after they started rolling it out to people. They're both vaccinated now. Uh, they went shopping. Yesterday. They they just went to Whole Foods with masks on and shopped like normal human beings. Like they've been getting food deliveries for the last year. They went out and did that for the first time. And that's really the only reason that I'm in Detroit. And this is why I'm talking about leaving, is because I, I I'm was basically here to support them because they were sort of unable to venture out for themselves. And you know, really, I think under the circumstances, if they just had to stay cooped up by themselves without visiting friends or other family, like it, it would have been very, very difficult for them to, to get through this whole time. That, that's why I'm there. That's why I'm 38 years old and living with my fucking parents is more to support them. Uh, it's not so much because that's what I would choose for myself. But that's, less necessary now as a matter of fact i'm not vaccinated and they are so they can go out and as, as far as i know even if you're vaccinated you can still be a carrier for it so the fact that they're going to start taking more risks and venturing out and getting more exposure to other people that's good for them but it's not so good for me living with them i'm kind of a liability being there now so i'm actually trying to think about where it is i go next as much as I'd like to return to San Francisco, I'm less than certain that uh, California's economy is headed for good times under the circumstances, especially the Bay Area. I could certainly talk a lot about that, but um, yeah, like, in essence, the decision I made to relocate to the Bay Area and try to find work there about five years ago was predicated on it wasn't a unique idea. The, the California's economy is extremely transient. The people that live in San Francisco, almost all of them are not from San Francisco. They're almost all transplants who have moved there from somewhere else. They're all people who work in the tech sector. And they're all people who basically have the same idea as me. Like, okay, I don't quite know what I'm going to do next in life. I don't quite have a specific direction. So what I'm gonna do is, since I work in tech, gonna go to the Bay Area, get a job in the tech industry, live very, very lean in a very, very small one-bedroom place or, you know, shared living arrangement. As cheap as I can live, I'll live that way. And just save as much as I can while I'm there earning. And then after five years, leave and go somewhere else where I really want to go. And this has been going on for a long time. And it's had a very, very bad effect on the city. It's, of course, it drives up, cost of living and while that is kind of a boon for the city because yeah if you're in the city you're you are you know you're paying taxes and the businesses are paying taxes that are there it's pricing out people who need to be there to collect the taxes in the first place or you know other civil servants you know police officers firefighters educators emt workers these people can't afford to live in the fucking city and this is more than a small problem. Um, the problem is, is that everybody's just there to make a buck and then to leave. And this has become a major problem because with COVID, most people in tech can work remotely. They can do exactly what I am doing. And they have absolutely no loyalty to the city of San Francisco. So they were all opportunists like I was. They said, well, since I can work from anywhere, I'm out of here. There's no reason for me to stay here if I can't enjoy the you know, San Francisco Bay Area lifestyle. And so a lot of people left. The mass exodus has definitely caused a decline in California's economy. I don't think it's going to crash the economy. I don't think it's headed for hard times. I mean, there certainly was a point at which Detroit's economy was singing beautiful hymnals. You know, in the middle of World War II, if you looked at Detroit, uh, you know, in the peak of the automobile industry, you would have said, "Okay, this city is headed for a very, very bright future. You wouldn't have guessed that uh, 20 or 30 years later, race relations would have caused a massive outflux of the wealthiest residents and would have left behind a bunch of crumbling infrastructure and an incredibly impoverished area. um, That just, you know became a complete economic sinkhole, you wouldn't have known that was coming. Uh, I don't think the Bay Area ever quite gets there. And the Bay Area still has, the Bay Area doesn't have sprawl, but that's what the Bay Area has going for it is geography. Like the city of San Francisco, people cannot move from there to the suburbs uh, quite the same way that they can in other cities where this has become a, a problem. You know, the the white flight from the inner city to the suburbs uh, leaves behind a crumbling economic hole. Uh, this can't happen in San Francisco. And it's unlikely to happen in San Francisco because San Francisco has a very strong culture. There are still people interested in the history. I still want to move back there because I still love – I love San Francisco. I love the city. I love its history. I love its people. I love the museums you can go to. It's a nice city. It, I, I can't ever see it getting to the point where it, there's so much of a downturn that the economy just crumbles and it, it just it just becomes the tenderloin, you know, through and through. It's very very different. I think it'll be fine. Um, yeah, and I do want to move back there. To be honest, I didn't want to move away. You know, I realized there were economic advantages to doing so but I moved away mostly for family under the circumstances and not because I just wanted to, you know, save a buck. I would love to be back there. Now I would have loved to have spent the winter back there living and, you know, still driving to ocean beach and running, you know, jogging along the, the shores of the Pacific uh, almost every day. You know, chances are good. I would have moved over there uh, in that, to that general region. And I would have, uh, I've enjoyed the fuck out of doing that. I still might, but I don't know. It's kind of like now that I've extricated myself from that situation, I've moved away and now it would be easier to, it would be slightly more difficult to move somewhere else just because I still have stuff stashed in a storage unit, you know, in the Bay area, but it wouldn't be that hard. There's nothing I have to go back there for immediately. If I could just move somewhere, to move, uh, I don't know where, but like, right now, if I wanted to pick up and move someplace, uh, the Bay Area might not be the best choice for all kinds of reasons. Um, not least of which is I could take the opportunity right now to experience something new. You know, I've definitely experienced the Bay Area. If I never moved back there, I think I've had my fill. Uh, I'd certainly like some more time, especially in San Francisco proper, but it's, of course, we're not, not enough people are vaccinated that we're out of the woods yet that it makes sense to move back to a place that has such a high urban density. Um, somewhere not Detroit, somewhere not the Bay Area is probably, um, where I'm headed next, but I don't know where and I don't know when uh soon, I think, and not New York, even though i would I would love to move to New York. I wish this pandemic wasn't going on uh right now. I wish new york had gotten gotten through it because that is probably exactly where I would go. I would just go rent a closet of a of a one bedroom apartment in Manhattan or something, and just live there for six months uh and just experience you know. Living close to Central Park. You know, I'd, I'd love to learn about that, learn about New York's history, cruise around Long Island and just see what, uh, what it's like. I know nothing about New York. I know, I know precisely nothing about it. Like I have no orientation and it's one of those cities that comes up in pop culture all the time. You're watching TV and movies. It's like there's TVs and movies that are about uh, San Francisco. It's like I watch those and I can, I can. I can hear, okay, like yeah, I know exactly what they're talking about. There's a really, really good movie I saw on Christmas, actually, called The Age of Adeline, and I loved that movie. Loved it. It's something of a, I don't know what you, I guess it's a romance, but it, it plays with that whole puer um, Eternus, the eternal child, the whole Peter Pan. Um, it's about a woman who, for one reason or another, stops aging, and the difficulties that that entails, you know, it's one of those stories that sort of says, OK, let's take more mortality and flip it on its head and just sort of play with the idea. And as far as those kinds of stories go, um, I really enjoyed this one a lot, um, not least of all because I happen to be a real nerd about San Francisco history. And this one is about a woman who stopped aging early in the 20th century in San Francisco. And so San Francisco history is very much front and center as part of the plot of it um age of adeline but there's definitely references in there to things like it it's very very clearly set in san francisco it's very very clearly shot in san francisco you see things and you hear dialogue and you're like i know exactly where that is i know exactly what they're talking about and i know exactly what i'm looking at you know i've been to that exact intersection i've been to that exact place you know uh, there's a lot of uh, film and television where it, it's that way about New York, and I kind of would like to have the same the same grounding, uh, understanding, and appreciation for, for New York as, as people who are from there or live there uh, have. So I would love to move to New York. I, I don't think it's in the cards for me right now. Um, like I've mentioned New Orleans before. I think New Orleans has a very storied history. The French Quarter and who uh, other neighborhoods i don 't even know um I, I know Mardi Gras probably not happening this year the way it usually does, and i don 't think Mardi Gras would really be the draw for me not uh not big into that sort of thing um, but yeah i 'd love to move somewhere uh, maybe like i'm thinking like what is it Philadelphia? like the city of the American revolution, you know, um, it really would be fascinating to, to live somewhere and uh, to actually be sitting right on top of, uh, you know, places in the Eastern seaboard where, where history was made, you know, especially American history. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think, uh, I've become more of a nerd about local history. I I've even tried to connect with the history of Detroit in the time that I've been here. Um that is one thing that I think is unfortunate about Detroit, is that you know, I, I've definitely gotten some judgment from people. You know, like my my parents, for example, I think they're very, very confused about why it is I would leave Detroit and pick up and move somewhere else when really I'm from here. And I've heard that from a, a lot of, of the elder generation that grew up in Detroit. You know, like, like, What's so bad about this place that you would want to leave it? You'd want to leave your family and move away. And the thing is that the, the Detroit itself has a very interesting history. It has a very beautiful history. There's um, Belle Isle Park in the Detroit River is, is gorgeous. It's, it's a wonderful little park. It's, it's larger than Central Park and Golden Gate. And as I understand it, like Olmsted himself, the father of landscape architecture, helped design both of those aforementioned parks, put together a design for Belle Isle Park, but it wasn't used. Detroit has things like that. You know, it was once a major urban center with beautiful architecture, and it was up and coming. It was very promising. It was a vibrant, thriving city. And the thing of it is, is that where I'm at, where my generation is at, we don't really have a connection to that history at all. You know, my parents grew up in Detroit. Well, my mother grew up in Detroit, so she she she's connected to some remnant of its former glory. And my father grew up in the suburbs, but... They used to go down to Detroit like you know, his parents took him to Hudson's when he was a kid. And there was a, you know one of the six stories was just the kids department. You could just leave your kids on that floor while the parents did the Christmas shopping. And and that was a whole experience. You know, that was a whole thing they did. And I think that's that's wonderful and that's magical. But I never had that connection to Detroit at all. There was nothing like that. Growing up, I was just told, like, look, Detroit's uh, to the south. You know, you go past eight Mile, It's just an urban shithole. Uh, don't go down there. There's no reason to. You, you just, you're just in danger if you go down there. You know, look at the crime, the homicide statistics down there. There's no reason. It's just a cesspool of filth and crime. There's no reason to visit. That was what I was raised on. And like I said, where I was raised is the suburbs where I'm currently sitting, where there is really nothing. There's no culture to speak of. Not really. There's a culture of I'm humping a crappy office job and I'm raising a family in some house. Uh, that's great, but that's that was that's no reason to keep a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed twenty-something, um, you know, anchored here. Unless you happen to want to raise a family, and I never did. I think a lot of people that I grew up with, we just we felt no connection to the culture that our you know my parents feel. You know, it, we're just we're just too many degrees removed from it. We don't understand what Detroit used to be. So there, there really was no reason not to leave and seek out community elsewhere, to seek out connection and uh, something, whatever the je ne sais quoi that other cities have that Detroit is lacking. Um, that's a shame. I mean, most of the people that I know from high school. A lot of them have moved away. some of them have stayed behind they've settled they've They've done what their parents did, and good for them. I'm happy for them. But so many of them have moved uh to Chicago. a lot of them have ended up in chicago they've they've moved to other cities where things are just different and quite frankly better where there actually is a connection to the to the culture of the central city um you know the urban center that gave rise to the to the to the whole geographical area in the first place. Detroit just doesn't have that. And despite a bunch of hipsters trying to bring that back, it's not quite the same. And it, it really is, it really is kind of depressing. Cause like I said, I would love to be connected to that history. I would love to feel an emotional connection to it. I would love to feel like there's something thriving here, like something bigger than me that if I stayed, I would be a part of. And, you know, uh, as a not so secondary side effect, I would, it would, you know, leave me closer to family. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Anyway, headphones are dying. That is the cue that it's probably been an hour and a half. That means I have rambled for long enough on this. No, yeah, hasn't been quite 90 minutes. No. No, not quite. Anyway. Uh, hey, this has been great. We should do this again. We should talk again sometime. Anyway, wherever you are, I hope you're doing well. I hope it's, uh, if you're somewhere wintry, I hope it's warming up. I um, hope you're feeling like venturing out, taking some risks of uh, coronavirus is staying under control. Hope you feel safe enough to God and, and cough on each other, wherever you are. Yeah, so, anyway, until next time, take care of yourself and take care of the people closest to you that you love. That's all important, and uh, watch your health. Until next time, this is Jim signing off. Be well, America.